This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, where Christian music doesn't suck. Sad Bones, a gorgeous track from the new release in Kuwait from tonight's guest, Velasca. The band happened to get in touch with me a few weeks back, wondering if The Antidote would be interested in reviewing their new album. 
But when I heard it, I loved it. And I knew I wanted to take it a step further and have the band come for a talk about Inchoate. Funny enough, coincidentally, I drove through Chicago, the hometown of Alaska, just a couple of days ago. I would have loved to have met the band in person, but I was at a festival and they were on tour. So we decided to opt for a conversation on the net. And we spent some time talking about their previous albums, how their music comes into being, and of course, the new release in Coate. Coming up right after the first part of our talk with Velasca, we have Esperismo from last year's release thing. Enjoy our talk and the band's great music. Chicago's Velasca are here for a visit. Guys, thanks for joining The Antidote. Thanks for having us. How about each of you introducing yourselves and giving us your role in Velasca? Uh, I'm Matt. I play drums. I'm Dave. I sing and play guitar. I'm James. I sing and play guitar. I'm Zach, and I play bass. Velasca began as a solo effort, I guess, from you, Dave. Yes. What was it that made you want to decide to switch to being a full band? Well, it was really just because uh, at first it was Matt and Zach when Velasca started touring. They started just kind of touring band members, but there was just like a real chemistry that just seemed to really work when we toured on Natural Habitat. So we kind of explored it through writing a little bit, and then they became full members, and then we recorded the second record, Thing. Um, and then it was through that that James kind of jumped in, and then with Nkoet, it was the four of us writing together. Anyway, I mean, I I loved playing solo. I mean, I, I feel like I'll always kind of love just like the solo aspect of writing, but I think bringing in other opinions and other artistic opinions like it really, it really was beneficial, I think, to the music overall. And what about you other guys? Is Dave really that sort of obnoxious, bossy kind of guy, or is he easy to get along with? Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's great. I, I, would, I would personally have a hard time bringing a song to the table and, you know, taking feedback from other people and making changes. So his willingness to do that's great. And I think it would be hard to work as a band if that wasn't the case. Yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky in that aspect that nobody feels that pressure from Dave at all. It was a natural progression overall, too. Nothing really felt forced, so didn't really take too much time to think about it. And you guys have remained as an independent band. You've never wanted to hook up with a label? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, is, did I open a can of worms there? Well, no, we just have never had an opportunity <laughs> to be yeah. completely blunt. Um, I mean, sure, we've thought about it, and we've, I guess, kind of done some cold calls to some labels that we really, I mean, are fans of, fans of bands on there. But, yeah, really, for the most part, like, we just kind of have that DIY thing just, like, really deeply embedded. Like, Matt is our engineer, so, like, all the Alaska recordings after Natural Habitat is all Matt's work. I think there's just, like, something about knowing that, you know, we literally did everything for, for the music um, and just for the band. Like we'll occasionally get help, but everything just kind of doing the DIY thing, it's, just, it's a little more gratifying at the end. I keep wasting my words And I keep channeling 
I guess this goes back into, you know, Dave's solo era, because the original two recordings were both done with Aaron Marsh of Copeland as producer. Yeah. Do you think it's really given a change to the sound of Alaska? I think so. There's definitely some elements that I kind of took and ran with that I picked up from Aaron. Just, I mean, yeah, just overall, like when I first went into the studio with Aaron, I really looked at him as just like a mentor. And um, I just kind of, you know, I took everything that he was willing to offer up. Um, Really, he taught me a lot about just like the writing process, the recording process, and then meeting the rest of the Velasca guys. It was just kind of like I applied that to their processes as well. And then it just kind of formed into what the band is now. So it's like there are still some elements, definitely some instruments, like Mellotron is consistently on every single record, and I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, other, other elements have definitely changed. I think the other music has gotten a little louder, heavier than the first two records. But it is still mellow. Yes. Okay, you guys might be offended with what I'm going to say here now, but, you know, I've always really enjoyed emo music. And that's the kind of impression I get from Velasca. I mean, I find it sort of carries that same sort of vibe, you know, that inner turmoil. But yeah. do you think that emo label actually fits your music? I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been called emo since I was like 13. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's in my phone as emo. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think it, you know, it might just be one of those things that's kind of deeply ingrained in myself. Um, and, you know, I, it probably comes as no surprise that I, I draw a tremendous amount from Connor Roberts and just Bright Eyes in general. So, and, and he obviously dealt with that label for a very, very long time. Um, so I think I just think it kind of is a little instilled in my music as well. And certainly nothing wrong with having him as an influence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love him, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess one real difference with you guys, I mean, it's much more atmospheric than just emo. And I mean, that style really came through on a song Reanimator from your Thing album. Yeah. Um, really, I, I think when Matt, Zach, and I toured Natural Habitat, it was just like an acoustic trio. And then with Thing, I mean, I know for myself and then James coming into Thing and then in Coed, to be honest, it was really like James and I just kind of exploring the world of guitar pedals. Um, I mean, I became addicted pretty quickly. So like all, yeah, just the atmosphere, the reverb, the delays, like it just kind of really grew on me. But even with the newer recordings, it still carries that pretty distinctive sound from Velasca. I mean, you can always say even from the earliest to the newest, this is it, this is the band, this is what we sound like. Yes, as long as I've been in the band, it's always kind of been the mentality that, you know, whatever songs come out, we should never be too worried about they're going to sound too much like this. They're going to sound like Velasca, you know, hopefully at the end of the day. And just the way that we record them and, you know, Matt's touches on the recordings, um, it seems to all kind of work out that way. Always 
The song Reanimator from Velasquez's Thing album may not be totally typical of their sound, but it really does carry the overall flavor. And next, the band members of Velasquez speak more about how they create their music. I want to cover something a little bit more in general. I find so many bands rely on just having catchy hooks, but Velasquez seems to put a real emphasis on the lyrics, or at least that's my view. How do you see it? I mean, yeah, with the first couple records, for sure, um, I tried to back off a little bit on lyrics on this record, mostly just because, I mean, Thing and Natural Habitat were extremely, extremely wordy. And I think when you have something like that, you kind of sacrifice like a hook or some sort of melody, catchy melody, um, because it can be difficult to throw that when you have a ton of syllables in, you know, just a couple seconds. I'd like to hear about the songwriting, how it's done for Velasca. How does it work? Uh, well, if I can answer this one, and I think this, this goes back to what you were mentioning about how even though there might be an acoustic song or you know a song that's more atmospheric, they still sound like Velasca. I think no matter what happens, the songwriting process, it's never really changed too much. So I think that massively helps things sound consistent, even if there's different textures and different you know arrangements. Um, I think at the end of the day, a Velasca song is a Velasca song because generally it's something Dave's written. Maybe not necessarily the chords, but he's put a lot of work behind it. And we all understand that like, that's how it is. That that's kind of like a lot of the times the overall feel is coming from Dave and it's kind of our job to enhance a little bit, but also like preserve that song. 
So does it originate with the lyrics or with the music? Um, usually, like, I mean, yeah, every, every song starts with just, like, me and one instrument. Like, I'm trying to think there, I, I know there have been a couple songs, specifically on Inchoate, where, like, we form, like, the first song, Spring, um, like, James came to me with that guitar chord progression, and then I wrote lyrics to it, and that was, I think, essentially just the first verse, and then we didn't necessarily know how the song was going to play out until we just kind of started hashing it out all together. That was like a, a different and a very fresh approach to the writing process because past records, like Thing was, you know, I would finish a song just on an acoustic guitar or piano and then I'd bring it to the band and then we'd kind of work it out and make changes from there. Whereas this one, there was more of the kind of building the song from the ground up all together. His arms live to settle you. Are you holding on to something? Revealing most of what we never say. By Velasca came Sundogs. You've been mentioning about Inchoate, which just released this tune. I don't know, is that the most misnamed album on the face of the planet? <laughs> I mean, the word means unformed or incomplete, but obviously can't be applying to the album itself because it's totally cohesive. So that leaves me wondering why you happen to choose that name for the title. I mean... I think for a lot of reasons, uh, one is just that, like, as much as you've been saying, like, you know, Velasca is Velasca, like, I still think as musicians, like, I mean, we're constantly growing and changing. Um, so, and, and just lyrically, um, I, like, perceptions on the world and, like, emotionally, like, everything is just is constantly changing. It's like looking at certain things I've written in Natural Habitat that 
are almost like completely irrelevant to me now, which is kind of mind-boggling because at the time it was like certain emotions or whatever were like so earth-shattering. To now, it's yeah, it's like they're irrelevant. But I have this whole new batch of life experiences and whatnot to draw from. So I think lyrically, that's where I personally, but I don't know what the other guys have to say about what their I guess take on it is. I I think a little bit. It's almost the record title is almost sort of like a chapter name for the band. I don't think it necessarily describes the songs, but how we feel about the band at the moment we recorded them. Mm. Because I think a lot of what Inchoate was about for us was a lot of the sets we play live, we might play our more kind of sleepy and, and down songs, but we like to totally change that live and play them kind of high energy. And uh, we wanted to sort of capture that on a recording. Um, so I think it was, you know, we we don't certainly feel we've fully formed and we always want to be changing and trying new things and never want to make the same record twice. So it's, like I said, almost more of a marker, a, a chapter title for the band than a description of the songs themselves. Well, I guess you did bring up this point, and I was wondering about it myself, about how your music translated into a live show. Because... Seriously, your songs on the records are really uber chill. But you're saying it takes on a totally different flavor when it's a live show. Yeah, I mean, especially when like we're about to go on tour for two weeks. I mean, when you're playing shows kind of in a consecutive manner like that, I mean, you just get bored playing like the slower tempos and things like that. So you're just looking for ways to um, kind of enhance that, I guess, a little bit. When we did our um, our first tour as a more like an acoustic trio, um, there were a couple nights where we would be playing like an open mic at a coffee house, and we would have to do the really kind of chill chill set. But then a couple nights where we'd be playing more like rock clubs, where you have to keep people a bit more engaged. So I think we experimented with a couple of different sounds there, and then just kind of ran with that. And as much as we played with like the the genres or the instruments of the music, we also kind of did some dynamic things, which I think translated a lot into the recordings, but into the live set, we kind of mixed things up pretty frequently.
Well, let's talk about some of the recordings. Vessels is the lead single off in Kuwait. Tell us about the song. Um, I'm trying to remember at what point we wrote that song in the process of like the record. Um, I don't remember at all. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty middle. Yeah. It started as a really, really slow piano song. And it was completely instrumental, actually. Um, and then I transposed it to guitar. And then I showed Matt. And Matt was really into it. And then we kind of started rolling from there. And then it, we just kind of sat on it for a bit. And then we kind of revisited it later on in the in the writing process and then we just kind of it stuck out and we were like yeah this this seems like a strong song and it had a pretty upbeat feel to it like a little up tempo and again like yeah a lot of our stuff is really droney and sleepy so anytime you have something a little different yeah you want to like draw some attention to it and do you think that's the standout track from the album um i think all of us have our own favorites um, my favorite personally is Spring, I think. It was hard finding the single. Every, every single person who ever heard the songs thought a different song was going to be the single. And we had, I, I think we had about three or four. We were all going between, but yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah. So it was a battle. I don't want to say it was a battle. We, <laughs> we bare knuckle boxed for a few rounds. Yeah. No, it was just a lot of uh, shrugging our shoulders and looking at each other, saying, I, I don't know. I, and that's the thing. I think we just tried to look at it sort of objectively as best you can do that. And which song most represented the album one as a whole. And then kind of, hey, you know, it, it's catchy. Like it it just stuck out, I think, for us. And it ended up being the best choice. I yeah. Think. The the most ironic thing about this whole record and whatnot is is mostly the timing. Like releasing a Velasca record at the beginning of summer it just seems like almost counterproductive because summer is like this time to be so upbeat and happy and like, you know, outside and doing all these things. But all the songs are mostly about like depression and just kind of being indoors and like <laughs> sad and gloomy. I mean, literally even the color scheme of the record is the exact opposite of what you normally associate with summer and warm colors. Uh, but maybe it'll work just as well when you're out on a long road trip and you just need those mellow tunes to yeah, carry you through. Definitely. Yeah, it's true. This is Velasca, and you're listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins.
speaking about vessels being the single from inchoate and i guess nowadays so many artists really just put so much effort into singles rather than an album but you guys almost seem to head the opposite direction you know you're really making all of your songs key parts of the album is that the best route to take though well thank you first of all <laughs> for, for noticing yeah, something yeah. like that yeah yeah. Really cool. yeah i think all of us and that's what again like speaking about the chemistry right away like all of us have always kind of been that, like we, we never really lost sight of the art of making an album rather than just like, let's just put together as many singles as we can. Especially in a time when like, that's all it is. Songs are just disposable. Yeah. And it's important to like kind of get an overall feeling of an LP than just releasing EPs or singles. Because I think a, a, a single song by itself can have totally different meanings in the context of the songs that surround it. Right. So... To just be doing singles is great if you want to, I don't know, make a little money quickly. But if you're trying to say something and have some sort of lasting meaning, I think it needs to be taken in context. And that can only really be done in an album. Hopefully we can keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) Then that makes me ask a natural follow-up question. Is that how you guys listen to music? Do you listen to the singles or do you like to listen to albums? Yeah, we're we're all just you sit down, you listen to a record, you know, front to back. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I'm a sucker for like catchy hooks and and catchy little songs. But then you go and listen to the record, and you're like, ah, eh, you know, I was expecting more, you know, and then you don't get the substance. I do have to admit that I think technology has changed that slightly. Like for example, Spotify, unless you pay for it, you don't get the choice. So it's going to randomly select things for you. But when I had an iPod that worked, I would always <laughs> start from the beginning. And then if I stopped somewhere, stopped and then picked it up from there. If, yeah, I think there's sort of a lost art of writing songs in an album and placing them. And it's kind of sad that that isn't the case as much anymore. I think I want to head back to speaking about the recording process for Inchoate. What were the struggles and what was easy for you? Um, I think the struggle was that we were on a bit of a strict timeline. Like, tour was already booked. Um, but for the full, most part. Yeah, for the, like, there was like a couple dates, but yeah, it was essentially already booked. 
And I, I remember at one point it was like, oh, tour's booked, and I have like like five songs I need to write still. So there was a bit of like, oh, we can't just sit on this forever, which was great because on Thing, it didn't take very long. I mean, it's like in the grand scheme, it was only like three months to make Thing. But I think, that, you know, the limitations always, I think, make for more creative decisions. It was kind of like a blessing and a curse, the having the timeline. And what was that time frame? Six months all the way through, right? I mean, yeah, I think so what, um, to just clarify, we were planning on doing a tour in the summer, um, and this is mid-winter, I yeah. want to say. And then we had, you know, five or so songs, and then we figured, well, if we're going on tour, we might as well finish a record, so we're touring on something, as opposed to just going on the road. So then we were like, all right, well, that's make a timeline and figure out how we can finish a record in time to uh, tour on it. Well, it's been a really hot day, and there's no air conditioning here in Studio A. So I thought that just maybe our next song from Velasca might make me feel a little bit cooler. Here comes spring.
But I'm ignoring your details All your riddles I can see Well, you're already I guess different artists work in different ways. I mean, I had somebody on, and he is so structured. Like He just sits down, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to write all the songs in 10 days, and that's it. I mean, did he have any help? Did he have any, like, record help? I want, you know? No. No, he just sits there, and this is how he's done it for 30 years. And just, like, wow. treat, treats it like a job and, you know, gets up in the morning. I think I heard... It just seems so unnatural. Yeah. That'd I mean, be tough, because you think, have off days. I think I heard, like, Sam Beam from, like, Iron and Wine. He just gets up in the morning and like takes his kids to school and in the time from nine to five, like he just writes music. But also, you know, we don't have that luxury. I was going to say that. (laughs) We're also pressed for time in in our own kind of personal lives too, where it's like we have jobs and things like that and writing and recording has to get in there somehow. So, Do you like that mix or would it ever just be a total joy to be able to do music full time? Oh my God. God, yeah, <laughs> so it, would be, it would be great to just do music full time. I'd love to see what like come out of that. Like, just oh wait, that's like our job now. <laughs> that is obviously a huge dream. Well, you know, I think I find my overall impression of Incoit is it's sad. You know, there's sad songs, especially with one of those, which is Human Condition, and it's got lyrics that say, "Now that I've fallen sick with the human condition." Where's life better with both your eyes closed? Or whatever gets you home? What brought all that about? Uh, it's an old tune, right? I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's funny, yeah. Uh, Human Condition was actually, like, I guess you could say it was, like, a natural habitat B-side. Um, like, I wrote it in, in, in that time frame, or I at least started it, but it's, it's funny, like, Human Condition, I, I don't know how long it is. I think it's like four minutes now. But that song used to be like close to seven minutes long. Like the choruses alone were a minute each. Wow. Um, yeah, it was just, it was like, a, it was literally like my personal novel. It was just, it was so wordy. And then again, like with this record, we were trying to move away from that. But I still really like connected with the song and I still really liked it. So we just kind of found a way. We kind of, we gutted the choruses and just kind of rewrote them. Um, we just found a way for it to work, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know it's, it sounds silly, like I'm 27, but yeah, it's just, the song really mostly comes from just kind of the whole idea of like trying to find like who you are. And 
I, I guess the whole journey that coincides with that process, I guess you could say. I mean, I feel like, you know, again, it's tie in with the album title. It's just, you know, it's constantly changing. And like, you know, one day you might feel like you have all of your life figured out. And then all it takes is for like, you know, one event to, you know, just to change everything. And then you feel like you're kind of starting from scratch again. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
really thoughtful lyrics on the song Human Condition from Velasca. And I think that searching style of lyrics is, seems to be true on all of their music. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the antidote that I'd gone to the States for a music festival. Audio Feed 2016 was awesome. A lot of great bands were there, and they covered all the genres that air on the antidote. Punk, rock, metal, indie folk, and there was even a couple of ska bands. Besides the torrential rains last Sunday, it was excellent being there. The one problem I have with festivals is that there's always some point on the schedule where I want to see three bands who all happen to play different stages at the same time. But at least I was able to see probably about 50 of the 140 bands that played. And during Audio Feed, I also had the chance to meet with about a dozen artists for talk about their music. And those will be coming up over the next couple of months on The Antidote. Next week, I'm going to feature several artists who played Audio Feed, and hopefully you'll enjoy the playlist. Okay, next up, Velasca gives us the explanation about why Chicago is the Windy City. And since I'm still really tired from the festival... I'm going to put the title of the closing song from Inchoate album to use. Here comes Sleep, and enjoy your week. You said you've got plans for summer touring. Whereabouts are you heading? Down south. Down south in the summertime. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like fun. That was stupid, It's going right? to be, yeah, it was poorly planned. We didn't <laughs> think that through. <laughs> uh, we're headed to um, Kansas City, Nashville, New Memphis. Orleans, Memphis. All the hot ones. All the hot ones. We're like, where can we go where it's, we have the best chance of just sweating until we die? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about weather in your city. I mean, you guys are from Chicago, so you, you got to tell me, is it really as windy as they say? <laughs> I guess in the city, but I feel like in every city, it's going to be a little more windy, like if you're downtown. I guess you well, notice the- it most in the winter. That's true. Well, uh, yeah, the wind is cold. But I mean, that uh, as the saying is, it comes from people talking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, the windy city. It's from like politicians. You know, I did not, not know actually, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say a lot of people talk bullshit here. But. Yes, it's very windy <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Okay, well, that cuts the whole interview because you guys have just been BSing me. That's right. Yeah, this has yeah. all been a lie. We're not even a band. We just recorded we an Alaska, album just yeah. to uh, just to do this and trick you. <laughs> okay, but here, seriously, what's your favorite thing to do in Chicago? Ooh, I, me personally, I love the museums. Like any chance I get, I can. I, I'd love to just go to any. Like I've been I'm meaning to get to the Field Museum. Um, I love Art Institute. I mean, we just have great museums here. So that's if I if I have extra time, that's definitely what I'll try to do. Food for me. It's hard to go wrong with food. Yeah, me and Matt can act on food quite a bit. I mean, I just be like, hey, I try this place. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, we're just so so in tune to, like, all the different kinds of cuisine around here. It's really nice. There's a lot, though. I mean, there's good venues. There's good breweries. There's good uh, places you can drink beer and play video games. That's true, yeah. That's great for us. We like to do both those things, so. There's a couple places in the city where you can go and play like vintage pinball machines and vintage like video arcade games and drink. And it's really great. (laughs) You don't have to like, you know, small talk and, uh, and yeah, it's really entertaining. It's really nice. So listen, before we go, how about telling us where to find Velasca online and where do we get your music? 
pretty much all your streaming websites, Spotify's, Apple Music, iTunes, iTunes. Bandcamp. Uh, we have a big cartel if you want T-shirts or to buy a physical uh, CD. You yeah. can buy bundles and whatever. Yep. Yeah, we have all kinds of deals on there, so check those out. Facebook.com slash Velasca Music. Instagram, Velasca Music, all that. All the, all it's the all Velasca Music. Velasca music. <laughs> I think there's a VelascaMusic.com that's kind of a portal to everything, too. Velasca has been here with The Antidote. Guys, thanks so much for joining in. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It was a good time. Did I run myself away? Am I lighter now? Is I held on its threads? And now it's coming back for more. Did I breathe for its pride? Cause it lived in my eyes. Well, I've been wrong. I've been I've been wrong. I've been wrong.